0: Hey, everybody, Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590. I am Ben Ennis. Uh, no Blake Murphy. He'll be back on Monday, and then uh, we'll be down to the ballpark Tuesday for uh, Blue Jays' home opener. It is Good Friday. Happy Good Friday to you. Uh, working in the radio world, I could have sworn I worked every Good Friday, but Sam McKee, who's in studio with me for the first segment, of Real Kipper and Born, hey, Leafs talk and, and, and the golf show. What's up, bud? Nothing. Just- uh, Loving it. Yeah, you're loving a good Friday. You, it's always,
1: every Friday's good.
0: You, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, Why? Yeah. okay. <laughs> I don't want to get into it, but you're right. They're all good Fridays, <laughs> yes, <correct>. really. <laughs> Truly. Um, I, I, I kind of felt like, and my memory's horrible, but I, yeah. I felt like we were always working good Friday, and you told me that that's not always the case?
1: Uh, I
0: remember as a grunt... Mm-hmm. Before,
1: when I would work a lot of holidays for the people who would have time off, mm-hmm. I would be doing a lot of the holidays.
0: Well, the, the the truth is that this is a pretty important sports time of the year. That's, yeah. that's true. Blue yeah. Jays are underway uh, on their march towards a World Series. The yes. Maple Leafs playing very important games against uh, a team they're going to have to go through to win their first Stanley Cup in 50-some-odd mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Raptors are... Playing their penultimate game of the season tonight before the play in uh, tournament game against Chicago, which is coming on Wednesday. So I do get it in a way, but I do wonder who's listening. If oh. you're out there, <laughs> are you listening? People certainly aren't working today. Is Monday a holiday too? Like this so. is I I I feel like working in sports media in general, but specifically yes. in, in sports radio, you live a different life. And I I don't really know how the normies I feel, how they how they interact with each other on these holidays
1: i felt like during high school or when i was a kid i remember it, like looking forward to easter because it was the longest time off you got not only the friday but you got the monday too but it's monday right too.
0: after like march break was like yesterday
1: yeah not really it was like a yeah no
0: listen maybe. you have no kids no, march know. break was like yesterday and i was just alerted uh by uh, mike gentilli producer mike gentilli yeah. that apparently and I don't know if this is true. I, I should probably look into this because, again, my kids are in school. But apparently the kids are off school on Monday. Yeah, I know right. they're off school today. I, I didn't think they were off school yes. on Monday.
1: I remember Easter being the best one because it was like you got the four days off. Uh, yeah.
0: No, no, but, like, Christmas is the best. Well, best. Yeah. yeah. Outside was, of Christmas.
1: Yeah, yeah so you're going to power rank holidays. <laughs> Good Friday and yeah. Easter Monday, that's second place, baby.
0: All right. Well, I, I should look into that uh, to see if I have to make my kids uh, a lunch uh, Sunday night. <laughs> All right. Uh, good to see you, bud. Thank um you. We're, we're just – I, I want to get to the golf first. Mm-hmm. You guys just did two hours yes. of the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll talk Leafs in just uh, a second. We don't have to if you don't want to. No, I want to. Okay, there, okay. There's some good stuff uh, in there, I'm sure, mm-hmm. uh, that you're going to tell me. Um, but, yeah, Masters, uh, it's it, it been fits and starts today. Second weather delay of the day, and they're currently still underway in that – uh, weather delay uh, during this weather delay, two giant trees yeah. fell down on the 17th tee. Now, not the not the uh, tournament tees. They were apparently the members tee on the 17th hole. But like the broadcast got a little bit of it. You can check it out on Twitter if people haven't seen it. It's it's wild stuff like to see those trees, those giant like 100 foot tall trees collapsing onto each other and then there's been some pictures shared of of guys with chainsaws they're they're chopping it up already what is your what is your belief that by the time we see golf again if it's today that those trees are just like gone
1: Oh, they'll be gone quickly. They, this is like some guy's Super Bowl. Like the one guy was like, I got the chainsaw, baby. <laughs> yeah. I got the chainsaw. His hand it's was already tied. on the like pull yeah, cord. Like Bobby Hastings when he puts his fingers on the <laughs> oh, sticks. <yeah. laughs> the guy had his fingers on. What the, a reference. The, As... the guy had the fingers on the chainsaw <laughs> ready to rock for when the wind was blowing. But like I have, the, the images are starting to trickle out now. Like yeah. they were being very hush hush about it. When it first happened, because mm-hmm. I think they're maybe making sure no one died.
0: Yes, and because everybody's... Yeah, that's obviously number one priority. Yeah, everybody's okay, okay apparently.
1: Uh, Scott Van Pelt saying, everyone okay. Great. So, very good news. And now they're showing images of it, and you're seeing pictures trickle out. The root that came up, it's a massive tree that
0: Yeah, came. this is a no-joke tree.
1: So, you could really draw the parallel between live guy leading at <laughs> the uh, at, at golf's most prestigious event, at the hallowed uh, trees, if you will, of Augusta National. Yeah. Having Brooks Kepka leading it, and the gods are smiting down they're trying to <laughs> they're end de- the event quickly.
0: Yeah, they're trying to destroy the entire golf course. Yes. All right, so good segue. Thank uh, Brooks Kepka was able to complete his second round. Mm-hmm. He is the solo leader at mm-hmm. twelve under par. I just heard a little bit of his his post round media availability. Very
1: interesting.
0: Yeah, we're, we're going to play some later on, mm-hmm. uh, probably after we talk to Adam Stanley at six o'clock. But he was asked, he was asked specifically because I know you, like me, watch the Netflix mm-hmm. golf documentary. And he was—his episode might have been the most interesting.
1: Compelling as hell.
0: Yeah, because it sounded like a guy who thought he would never win again. Thought, like, I better get my money now because it won't be long before I'm totally irrelevant. Mm -hmm. So took the live money. But apparently he's played well. I mean, he won the tournament coming into the Masters. But in this um, uh, post-round media availability, he was asked specifically— Hey, Brooks, if you knew that you would have recovered physically, because that's part of it, right? Yeah. Like, he had physical ailments. He went through a bunch of injuries and then signed the, the deal to go to live. If you knew that you were going to be fully healthy, you think I would have made it a more difficult decision <laughs> to take the money and go to live? He said, yeah. Like, you, Frank, but he said, I don't regret anything. But you, are, you let the cat out of the bag with the first part. You do part. regret it. You yeah. regret it.
1: Yeah, you said, and you re- listen, I, the thing I take away from watching that on Netflix and hearing what he had to say today mm-hmm. is that the Saudis got him at the perfect time. Yeah. They could not have caught Brooks Kepka. Like you talk, everybody's like, oh, did Scheffler even? I don't even know who won. Like yeah. he's like, yeah. everything was so far inside his head. He was talking about how Scheffler doesn't think about anything. Right. Although if you watched the round today, Scheffler should maybe start thinking about his putting because he's yeah. the worst putter in the field. It was horrible. Yeah. Couldn't make anything. So I'm really fascinated by this from Kepka because listen, there was a guy time what was I don't know, twenty fifteen until twenty eighteen, like I my years all meshed together. But there was a stretch of time where going into every major
0: At yeah, twenty nineteen he Bro- was Brooks was the best. unbeatable. Like he looked like that. I that, mean, if if you watched him uh, earlier today and, and he wasn't on the main broadcast because he was I had to, off early. I was I was I
1: grinding was over buddy. the feature groups. Grinding.
0: So, so was I, yes. obviously. <laughs> yeah. But that looked like because uh, he's He's at twelve under par and he was what he was uh he was sixty seven today after being mm-hmm. sixty five yesterday He could have been lower today like Absolutely. everything he was rolling gave the the cup a scare mm-hmm. he looked dialed in like looked exactly like that guy from twenty nineteen
1: that's the thing it's just the solidness of his game where you know he goes through amen corner and you're like, oh maybe this is where and he's just like yeah no stock Fairway green, fairway green, tapping yep. like it's he almost birdied eleven, like he was centimeters away from birdieing eleven. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what the sort of weather scenario happens and yeah. like when he's going to get to play next and. If that's something that can break his rhythm or whatever, whatever happens. Seems like
0: a bonus, though, that he finished early. Like 100%. the guys that went out early today yeah. had a big advantage. He's
1: got his feet up having a cocktail right now. He's not mm. worried about anything. It might be a while until he gets to play golf again. So I'll be interested to see in how that happens. But from a storyline standpoint, this is incredible. Yeah. To have right. a live guy go out there <laughs> and shoot this two rounds where he played borderline flawless golf. Has he made a bogey yet? Like he was unbelievable. No. I just, I can't wait to see what happens this weekend. Now we have Rom, who he made a couple birdies right before the horn to get it to nine under. Yeah, so he's uh, two Rom, back. Or yeah. three back.
0: Three back. And Rom was freaking out. Rom, like, we got the full, like, yeah. Spanish freak freakout uh, energy from John yes. Rom. We saw a little bit from Scotty Shuffler, as you mentioned, like, putting horribly. But, I thought, I
1: thought, but like, that's he, a guy that... that he God on his side. I thought he wouldn't freak out.
0: Uh, but he did. He had a couple <laughs> of freakouts. Yeah. I mean, his feet are always freaking yeah. out. Like, I love to watch Me that too. guy swing Me because too. it looks ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, but no, he was freaking out a little bit. No, it's a great, it's a star-studded leaderboard, and then you got the the reigning amateur champion, Sam Bennett, uh, with an incredible round, a couple of rounds. Yeah. A couple of rounds One of bogey through
1: two rounds for an amateur, which is just out of this world. It's unfathomable. Imagine being his butt, like, because I guarantee he's got friends there that are mm-hmm. following him around. You see some shirts in the crowd. He's trying to support him, and you go there, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, old Sam, he's probably going to maybe... He'll make a couple birdies for it, and you go out there, and he's going to be in the final pairing, one of the final pairings on Master Saturday after shooting eight under through two rounds. Unbelievable. It's it's something that you could never imagine in your wildest dreams, so I'll be interested to see how he holds up. Well,
0: and even Phil's put together a a nice couple of rounds. He's four under. Here's the thing.
1: Everyone's kind of... Putting up good rounds, the guys that you would expect to, except one guy, basically.
0: Yeah, what, Corey
1: Connors? Well, no, I mean, listen, I don't want to rag on Corey. What are you talking about? Three straight top tens going into this year and just one last week in Texas. I lit some money on fire betting on him as the first round leader, which is a good move by me. Didn't put him anywhere else, any of my pools or Mm -hmm. picking him or whatever. But, yeah, like, listen, he hit one of the worst professional golf shots I've ever seen. Today. Shocking. Shocking. Like he hits a great layup to right in front of the creek and he just McKees it. He chunks it straight into the river, makes a double bogey and that's mm-hmm. it for him. I think he talked Adam Stanley after the round so you can he get did. into that with him a little bit, which is classy of him to even talk because if I did that at Augusta National, I can tell you who I wouldn't be talking to, anyone.
0: A- anyone. I'd even the, the but Adam's so nice, yeah. right? So, I mean, it and would be hard great, to shut him down, but you probably He's got a great would.
1: relationship with all the Canadian golfers, which is yeah. huge for Adam, but I would be shutting Adam down, although he bought me a gorgeous Masters hat. He did? Oh, my God. Oh, actually, yeah. I
0: saw you tweeting about this. You wanted the what the rope hat oh or something? Oh, my
1: God. He bought me such a didn't nice I one. Didn't I buy you a Masters no, hat? No, he didn't. I didn't get on that one. I didn't cry about it like Bunkus, but uh, my buddy who played on my hockey team went to Augusta, bought me one, but I just don't
0: love it, and yeah. I don't like the color. Honestly, I'm wearing one today. Yeah. And I don't love this one either. The color's I, too much. It's too, it's, it doesn't match anything. No, it's not the color that's my issue. It's not like, it's not the hat. It, it's just kind of like fabric front. Yeah. It's not like the ones that the caddies wear, right? Where it's, it, yeah. it's just like you need a the look, deep hat, nah, the big
1: head. You got a big old noggin like me. Say, yeah. You need the deep head.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it looks even worse on, on Brent Gunning, who has an even bigger <laughs> head than me. Honestly. I don't
1: know if that's true.
0: I, I don't know. I, I, I'd say it, it doesn't look great on his head. But no, you were referencing the other guy that played poorly through mm-hmm. two rounds, Rory McIlroy, who yeah. is gonna take this attempt to to uh, complete the career grand slam into year ten, it's never gonna happen. I mean, 2014 is the last time this guy won a, a major title. Um, Augusta National is his boogaboo, yeah. right? Like he's had, you know, what was he? He was top ten last year, yeah, but 64
1: th- on Sunday with no pressure.
0: Exactly, yes. right? So <laughs> I shared a tweet with you, Kevin Van uh, oh Valkenburg. Uh, about you know understanding that it was clearly a, a hot take but like maybe this is a guy that needs needs to take like a year off playing this tournament which is loser mentality yes. but it is it's amazing to to, to see a guy who's obviously a, a world golf hall of famer one of the greatest to ever do it i mean multiple multiple major champion yeah. to to get in his head so much at this one event i mean he finished uh worse than mike weir no offense to uh, to mike weir mike weir Four over for the tournament after going into today's round, yeah. even par. He's going to miss the cut by looks like a couple of shots. Rory McIlroy also went into this day even par. He's uh, going to depart at five over par, which is ridiculous he's for a guy who's in
1: Deschambault territory down
0: there. I was oh. Bryson's hilarious. What, what did he say? I didn't, see that- one,
1: I didn't see one shot of Bryson. No,
0: why would you? I, the whole, whole
1: time. I watched all day, both days, and I didn't see one swing from Bryson. What did he claim that the, his personal par was at Augusta? 67, 67 yeah.
0: yeah. That was when he
1: was the betting favorite. That was like two years ago. It's crazy, that fall.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: But uh, I will say, from Bryson, mm-hmm. I have gotten one of my favorite things that's ever happened to me in golf, and mm-hmm. I stole his idea for the one-length irons, and it's completely changed my game.
0: Oh yeah, Yeah. I haven't played with you since you had the one like the irons. It's
1: it's spectacular. I could not love it more. So I thank Bryson for that.
0: Okay. Do you you also have like the really thick handles on him because he's got got like the ridiculous like putter grips on them? We don't need to talk. (laughs) Spend
1: any more time talking about Bryson.
0: Uh, All right, last one on on the golf. Um, It kind of blew me away that and boy, you wonder if there's some regret here. Although, I mean, you can't do one plus one equals two on this, but. Rory McIlroy and Max Homa talked to the broadcast at the Masters, which mm-hmm. I've I've seen it like it's not the first time it's happened in the history of broadcasting golf, and I know Augusta is becoming more and more accessible. Boy, it wasn't that long ago you weren't even allowed to see the front nine of the tournament. Now yeah. we can watch the featured groups starting at like what like nine in the morning. Yes, on 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 Thursday, Friday. That's amazing. I will say it gets to a point where it's it, some of the mystique does wear off a little bit when you're talking to guys like Rory was on the green lining up a pot yeah. yesterday. I know, and they were talking to him. To me, that that's a little bit off-putting. I I think it's off-putting from two
1: perspectives. I think it's off-putting. Like I love the walk and talk at like Riviera. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, it's like right. you know, I like it at Different like deal. I like it at whatever the Valero Texas Open. Okay, okay. Yeah. but yeah. like for Rory to agree to do that says a lot about him to me. Like yeah. I, you know, I. You're supposed to listen, maybe you're, the, his... you're the betting favorite. You're the guy that's supposed to be like going into this to complete the grand slam, defend right. the PGA against Liv. Yeah. And he's like chopping it around, be like, sure, I'll talk to the broadcast. No problem.
0: Speaking of chopping around, yeah, now we actually have. Oh, yes, yeah, chopping. They're chopping up that tree. I told you. Like that thing is almost gone. They've already removed all the limbs from it. It's. it's, it's lemmings. <laughs> <laughs> chopping it up. It's unbelievable. It's like
1: Minecraft out there.
0: No, I, okay. I get, yeah, you're right. But I, I can almost see it from Rory's perspective, where he's like, See, look. I don't care. Like, it's not in my head. I'm look, not I can win. I,
2: I so can... I might
0: as <laughs> well talk. There's that. But I can see it the other way. Where he's like, see, look, I look how loose I am. Yeah, I can yeah, talk to yeah, the yeah, broadcast yeah. in the middle. Yeah, sure, of... <laughs>
1: sure. I'll see that. I'll see that. This is a nightmare weekend for golf media. Like, I see all these golf guys on my. You know, there, there are some. Listen, I follow a ton of golf people on Twitter. Obviously, I have the, all spectrums of people. There are some guys that are going to have to be searching their name and Brooks Kepka and hitting delete. Really? because boy there was some tweets and there was some talking and then like the way people talked about he him being done done yeah. like a month ago Mm -hmm. like they're gonna they don't have to go too far back to be some of the stuff that was said about Brooks that they're gonna have to take back well I
0: I was curious as to hey golf is golf right and Mm -hmm. like just because you play three rounds of of joke tournament golf on the live tour with no cut and 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 shotgun starts we're not gonna
1: talk it's even close to the same competition but it's still
0: yeah no it turns out that it is like that that talking point is seemingly gone forever Mm -hmm. already even like I honestly I I guess maybe it it does reemerge. and by the way finishing 12 under par through 36 holes the last guy to do it greg norman in 96 Ooh. so like oh uh, the only other guy to lead the masters yeah. at 12 under par that, so a
1: guy you don't want to share things with plus the live yeah. parallel there is oh, that's tasty. it
0: yeah no tasty. it's hilarious but no i i think already through 36 holes we've seen that no those those guys know how to play golf mm-hmm. um I mean, the only question was, would Brooks Koepka, because of the injuries, because of the lack of form that we last saw him on the yeah. PGA Tour, could he get back to that? And I think that's all but erased. Yeah. And and it's it's hard, honestly, to root against him. Like, I, I don't know, everybody's feelings about the Liv Tour, I mean, maybe people are still in this camp where they're, they're rooting against every Liv golfer, no. but I think even the PGA Tour guys, like, and we know Rory has been – Buddy, buddy, oh, with DJ, course. and and he did play with Kepka and and how can you not look at what's happened with the designated events and the the amount of money that's yes. flooded into some of these tournaments on the PGA Tour, and and not in a way think that's uh, because of the live guys and them taking the money and the pressure that was on the PGA Tour. But yeah, I I am I'm rooting for chaos, and I think there's nothing more interesting no. than seeing what Brooks Kepka winning the Masters looks like on you know what Sunday. He says like I just.
1: My take is that when Scotty Scheffler, if it has, if he has to put it on a live guy's shoulder, not only should he give him the green jacket, mm-hmm. but he should thank him for mm-hmm. making him absorb way richer. Yeah. Be like, hey man, I really appreciate you sewering your PGA tour career to make all of us mm. way richer. Well, thank and we'll s-
0: we'll see if all the live guys stick around. To I mean, even the guys that oh, Kevin the nah left yeah. after
1: the first night. <laughs> yeah. so he's are gonna play being yeah. the
0: first guy out with Mike Weir. What a. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. So we got to talk Leafs. All right. Because uh, they lost in overtime to the Boston Bruins, who are now just two wins away from setting the all-time mark mm-hmm. in the NHL. Uh, they're pretty good, and they look pretty good. And and Charlie McAvoy left the game midway through, and I know they're playing their backup goalie. Um, is that the, the Leafs lineup we're going to see in game three, I guess, of that first-round series? Uh, so in Tampa, the, is that the road lineup you think that, we're going to see?
1: That's interesting. That's something we didn't really touch on today, but – I'll be interested, like, that line with Willie and Tavares and Marner mm-hmm. is not doing anything. No. Like, you're, you're taking three of your best players, three guys that you could spread throughout your lineup to make your team look better, and you're putting them on a line. If you're doing that, if you're Keefe, you want that to be overwhelmingly good. Mm-hmm. You want to be, out, every time you put those guys over the boards, there's a scoring chance. They have the puck in the offensive zone. They look dominant. And I don't know how many games here now. I mean, all these games are blending together now. But how many times have they played together? feels like two or three games now that they've done it. And it hasn't really looked good at all well, throughout but, any of those games. And they played Detroit and Columbus in the games before this. So well,
0: And Nylander and Tavares are are going through they're struggling severe five-on-five yeah. five, uh, cold streaks
1: And right it now. And it shows. Like, it's, it's really... I, I don't... Like, oh, we talked about it a little bit on Lee's Talk last night with JD. And he wasn't as worried about Nylander as I am. But... Listen, I know he's been a guy his whole career that's gone up and down, and he's had these stretches where he's gone really cold. Mm -hmm. But it feels like it's been a really long time here now for Willie since, like, at the start of the year, Mm -hmm. he was unbelievable. Like he has thirty-seven goals, and I think he has two goals in his last in the last month. Yeah, like you think about how hot he was for a lot of the year. We had conversations about who is this team's MVP between Marner and Nylander. Like he really has had a spectacular season, but he's gotten cold. Heading towards the playoffs, you can talk. Maybe they're taking the foot off the gas a little bit. There's not a lot to play for here. They know who they're playing. Maybe they can flip flip a switch or whatever. But, man, I'd like to see a couple really good games out of these guys before they go into the first round against Tampa.
0: Well, and, and Sheldon Keefe was pretty glowing in his review of that team yesterday, and I yeah. get it. Like, they, they limited no, the scoring chances. Game. But, well, that's it. So, and... And anybody that's really paid attention to the last, you know, six years of postseason failure can tell you it has not been playing defensive hockey that's been this team's problem. It's no. been scoring goals. Yes. They didn't do yesterday, right? Like that, That I mean, it was great to get offense out of your bottom six. And, mm. you know, maybe we can talk about that that fourth line and how Matthew Nyes might possibly crack it because it seems hard to do so considering the the heater that that zach aston reese's college
1: intern coming in he's out he's not getting in
0: well and even in these last couple of games of the frozen four had one assist in a game that his team scored what like five six goals yesterday he hasn't
1: hasn't been exactly dominant in the games that they've played like i like you know as a you know amateur scout i watched the most of the game yesterday Mm -hmm. and i would say that um he wasn't great
0: in the game yeah, we're going to talk to Andrew Raycroft actually later oh, nice. on the program. He was part of the broadcast crew for ESPN for that yeah. game. So we'll, nice. And then obviously was watching the Bruins game. I mean, just How confident are you that this team's going to be able to, to create offense in, the, in that first-round series against the Lightning?
1: I'm not really confident in anything around this team well, in the playoffs. That, I will, I will say that I, all these injuries that Tampa's having right now. Yes. And, you know, you see Tanner Janelle go full Joe Feisman last night. That horrible. was not pretty. Like, that's not good mm-hmm. and you know they've got he only they, has one goal yeah uh, since but he's, but he's a physical them. guy that's going to be in your face and mm-hmm. he's going to be an impact guy maroons banged up haggles banged up Chernak's always hurt like you know they're all they got guys out of the lineup they got like but the thing that scares me about that mm-hmm. is what does what have the leafs done whenever there's a chance then they're like oh you know this might be a little bit easier
0: mm-hmm.
1: it always goes the wrong way mm-hmm. you know like i feel like i would rather play tampa close to full strength than like a wounded animal Tampa where well, you're going or, in with like an excuse
0: like like you're going up 3-1 against a team that you beat by like 25 yes. points during the regular season and you're
1: dominating them in those four games and it's over and then you just <laughs> you know what the dog for the rest of the games so i i am a little bit concerned about the wounded animal factor with Tampa where everyone's like their fans are like ah Leafs and Five I'm getting DMs from Tampa people being like oh you got it's, it's Leafs and Five blah 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 I hate that. Mm-hmm. I hate that the Leafs are gonna are gonna be probably not heavy favorites, but they're definitely gonna be favorites heading
0: into the series. You think so? That's interesting. Absolutely. They've got whole ice advantage. I, I get it. More but points. I mean, they're there injured. is history. Uh, and I guess the the Leafs are always Public. betting favorites. They weren't favored going into that series last year, though, were they? I
1: can't remember, but they're hard they're, to imagine. Johnny Public, like they are gonna be favorites going oh. into this series. The underdog factor, John Cooper's ability to just talk Everyone into a pretzel in the media here and use the media as a weapon. <laughs> and Sheldon Keith talking about, oh, there's going to be violence like yeah. last year. I worry about that matchup. Like, I do think the Leafs, this is their best chance, obviously, to get past Tampa here. Like, they, the Leafs are looking good. They're getting healthier. They are in good shape. But I do, it's just, it's in the back of my mind that I don't love the the sort of nothing to lose factor for Tampa with all these injuries.
0: And well, stuff. certainly. And then they have the the biggest advantage at the most important spot yes. that's in goal, right? Yes. Like, and as well as Ilya Samsonov has played. Yeah. Um, and even as, as good as his, you know, most recent um, postseason history was, I mean, the way that series yeah. ended for him wasn't so great. No, it's
1: not, we, we, you don't look back on, you can't bank on history with Samsonov. You have to figure... You have to bank on the fact that this is a guy that's truly figured something out and now is a starting goalie in the NHL. And this is the start of something as opposed to looking back at anything because... Well,
0: and if you want to do the looking back, I mean, you can look at the seven games that you got out of Andre Vasilevsky or at least the six that you got out of him and still didn't put away that Tampa Bay Lightning... that's the most
1: infuriating part is the least scored more goals. Vasilevsky was human for six of the games. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Jack Campbell was not great. Mm. Right? So, it's just, you hope that Samsonov can get, give, if Samsonov can give the Leafs 915 to 920 in the first round of this playoffs, mm-hmm. they probably win. Yeah. Right? That's oh, what it comes down to. But then, I mean, you look at Vasilevsky, and he gives you a 940 or 950, it's going to be <laughs> tough to win. So. Yeah,
0: it'd be nice to, to see the Leafs get the, uh, the better of the goaltending matchup for once in, yeah, since, uh, in seven postseason Belfort. series. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Sammy, thanks for sticking around. Pleasure. Uh, Sam McKee. All right, when we come back, we'll uh, go to Anaheim, talk to Shy Davide as the Blue Jays start a three game set against the Angels tonight. Fan drive time. I'm Ben Anna, SportsNet 590 The Fan.
2: The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Ben Drive Time, Sportsnet of The Fan. I'm Ben Ennis. So last time I saw this guy, our next guest, he was watching me fill my face with food at Rogers Center. The new food that you will all get to enjoy on Tuesday for the home opener. He was so disgusted by that scene. They had to hop on a flight right away and go to California. It's Shai Daviti. How's it going, Shy?
2: I'm all right, and, you know, I, I, I don't think that you did the ju- type of justice to the horror scene that it was. That was awful,
0: man. I felt <laughs> awful. It was delicious. It was delicious. And let me tell you, uh, I'm in favor of putting poutine on a hot dog because, you know, you skip a step there. Who doesn't like poutine with a hot dog? And it was only a matter of time until somebody put poutine on a hot dog. But, yeah, eating I, – I I I guess I didn't have to sample every – Single uh, concessions stand. A uh, sample that was made available to me, but then I, you know what? I don't know if I would have been doing my job, shy, honestly, if I didn't.
2: Well, I mean, if anything, you do like to be thorough, mm-hmm. so you know, I mean, and and, and you were very thorough.
0: Oh, okay. You know what? Oh, uh, I I don't know if you knew that this was coming. We just got an email. The Blue Jays made a roster move. Do you do, are you familiar with this one?
2: I I am not. I've been on a plane most of the day, so I uh, I'm still catching up a little
0: bit okay so this was one of my questions and uh, it's been answered um, the Blue Jays have made the following roster move outfielder Jordan Luplo has been recalled from AAA Buffalo Nathan Lucas option to A Buffalo so Nathan Lucas we hardly knew you uh, scored a run as a pinch runner this, this makes all the sense in the world with the Blue Jays f- uh, facing three straight left-handers in this series right yeah
2: and look I think there's not necessarily a, a pathway to a ton of at-bats right now, but if you want to match up in different spots, give somebody a day off, it makes sense to have the extra right-handed bat. And uh, you, you know the, the Blue Jays obviously picked up Luplo uh for a reason, and you know they've been kind of looking around, waiting for the potential for something to shake out, and uh, a platoon bat would, uh, would certainly make some sense, given the situation.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I, I don't know how much playing time he's going to get and I don't know the scenario I mean I guess barring an injury and I guess it would it would take you know you maybe you jump a, a, ahead of things and get him to to California instead of waiting until the need arises over this three-game series to get him there but you got a guy in Santiago Espinal who's been you know he who's hit lefties pretty well throughout his career he's he's it's been a tough goal for him to try and get into a lineup here it, it, it seems like he's he's going to Get at least a couple of starts in this series if if not all three like how do you how do you expect the, the playing time to to fall for for espinal who you wrote about you know it's is seemingly at least he believes figured something out offensively at the end of last season
2: yeah and it's really interesting because the blue jays do have that bit of a three-headed monster at second base but both Biggio and uh, Whit Merrifield have a few more pathways to playing time because they can potentially get some reps in the outfield, whereas Espinall's locked into second base, and then he can, you know, when on the rare days when Bo Bichette or uh, Matt Chapman need a day off, then he can slot in at a second or third, but you know, there are not going to be a lot of opportunities there. So he's in a spot where... He, he's really got to make the most of the, the limited at bats, and uh, the Blue Jays want to, in an ideal world, world, try to have the playing time between uh, Biggio, Merrifield, and Espinall be relatively even, and you know hope that one of them really grabs the, the job by the horns and uh, takes command of it. But you know, right now, as you said, it, it is tough for Espinall to get in there, and it's hard to maintain any sort of rhythm. And maintain timing and things of that nature with such sporadic playing time
0: no and I, and I know the blue jays have prioritized outfield defense with their moves this off season but we we know Santiago espinal does have an outfielder's glove like he, he played nominally the, the outfield a couple of times last year when when forced into the four-man outfield with the shift that is uh now banned th- uh this year um do, is it possible that like do you think he'll make any starts in the outfield this season
2: as presently constituted, I, I don't think so. They don't seem to, uh, at least right now, want want to use him in that way, is, is the sense that I've gotten, that they have lots of guys that if they need to use in the outfield, they're using the outfield. And, uh, you know, Merrifield and Vigio seem to be ahead of them in terms of outfield reps if needed. So the utility role for... Esperanza seems to be locked into the the middle infield the middle infield positions and in third base, uh, at least for the time being. But uh, you know things change all the time, and there are injuries and underperformance, so you have to stay ready. But I, as things stand right now, I don't foresee that being something that they would look to do.
0: Speaking of underperformance, uh, Brandon Belt's been a, been a tough watch here uh, early on, shy, and I know he's coming off knee surgery and he's thirty five. Um, but also that he didn't have a ton of reps in spring uh, because he didn't want a ton of reps in spring, apparently. So I, I don't know. What, what are you seeing here now? Is, is this a guy that, that's not fully ready for the season and we got to wait a couple of weeks before we really start? I mean, yeah, we're, we're going to give him more than a couple of weeks to make a determination on, on, on his value to this team. But well, what are you seeing early on from Brandon Belt?
2: Yeah, it, it hasn't, he hasn't looked very comfortable. I mean, he had the, the one double in St. Louis. Uh, that was a big, important hit. He's had a few walks. Like, uh, you, see, you still see the, the ability to control the strike zone and some of the plate discipline, but it, you know, it's looked at least early on like he's missed uh, a handful of pretty hittable pitches and, and pitches that he would ordinarily do some damage with. Is that timing? Is that could he have been through more reps? Is that still a guy learning his body after, after surgery and what he can do and building trust in it? I'm not certain and I don't think he knows either because otherwise they would work to resolve it. Mm-hmm. But we yeah, also have to keep in mind, it's been a week. Yep. <laughs> and so, uh, and there at, at any point in the season, someone can look pretty bad in a week. You know, certainly the hope would have been coming off the, the surgery and the way that he looked in 22 that, or at least early on, uh, it would look like a bit of a different guy that hasn't happened to this point, but, it's been a week, so I we want to be careful to not res- uh, to not draw any conclusions from uh, really a-, a still absolutely tiny sample.
0: No, 100%. I, d- I wonder w- uh, what kind of playing time we're looking at for him over this three-game series with the three lefties. Has he got an off day on Monday too? I mean, are you going to really go that long without Brandon Belt in the lineup or just in a pinch-hitting role? Like, Do you expect him to get one, uh, a- at least one start over these three games?
2: Maybe, uh, I think the Blue Jays, I think part of the reason you bring up Blue Plows is to give yourself an opportunity to match up a little bit more too and to not have to force a left-on-left situation there. So, you know, I think that I, he could get some time. I think he definitely would be an option off the bench whether the Blue Jays would be, you know, feel good about using. Uh, but in terms of starts, you know, it handedness certainly factors into it a fair bit, uh, but the Blue Jays do also look at other things like swing paths mm-hmm. and hot uh, zones and the the type of uh, whether uh, somebody matches up from a, a swing perspective and 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 uh, movement profile of the pitcher. So there'll be a few more elements to it uh, beyond that, but it might. It might just be off the bench this weekend, depending on how things play out.
0: Well, I just, I just wonder if, like, if if it's been a determination, or he says that, hey, you know what, I actually just need like some more at bats. Uh, whether that weighs into it, because yeah, for a guy that that maybe needs reps, needs to see live major league pitching to, to sit as long as he's potentially about to sit, might not be helpful to that process.
2: Sure, but at the same time, you know, it's worth keeping in mind that especially with uh, how pitchers are used these days and more and more how lineups are used too you notice know, because you start a game on the bench doesn't mean you finish it there and you know the blue jays one of the things they wanted to do was be able to switch up uh, a lineup in the middle or uh, a switch up a spot in the middle of a game depending on the platoon situation and how how the game played out and so you know it doesn't mean that he's not going to get six or seven at bats, even if he's not in the starting lineup over the course of
0: three days. No, it's true. Um Vlad's gonna be in the lineup every day <laughs> because he always is. He plays a ton. So does Bo. Um yeah, and it was you know luckily for the Blue Jays, luckily for Vlad able to bounce back after that that little bit of a scare during spring training with the knee thing, but he looks I know it's only like two home runs. It's not like a hundred, but outside of that, the process for Vlad looks unbelievable shy with just one strikeout here now through what, seven games this season. Uh, he leads the major leagues in hard-hit balls this season. Number two is, is Matt Chapman, So, and we can talk about him in just a second. But if you were looking for indicators that this guy was back to being the best offensive player in the American League, I I, I think it's hard to, to not look at the first seven games and say, boy, hard to have a better start than that.
2: Yeah, and further to that, a guy who came into camp talking about honing in on his pitch selection... And eliminating the expansion of zones and maybe chasing, chasing hits at times or trying to force the issue. You've just seen someone who's absolutely been locked into his plan. And you know, it's so uh, it's five walks to go with uh, the one, uh, the one strikeout. And while you certainly don't want him walking all the time, you want him being able to do damage. You also want him making sure that he's. Making the best swing decisions possible and doing swinging at the pitches he can do the most damage on. And if you're if you're the Blue Jays, I think that's what you're most heartened about is that you see him with that type of discipline. I thought there was an at that in the I think it was in the first game of the Kansas City series we came up with the bases loaded and it was uh, the Blue Jays were trying to claw back from a big deficit and it was a time where last year he might have expanded his zone and tried to. You know, Forced the issue to knock in a few runs. Instead, he just took a bases loaded walk and was very disciplined and didn't swing at pitchers' pitch- pitches. And that, to me, is telling you that he's committed, locked in, and comfortable with his approach. Because again, it was certainly a situation where, you know, I think last year we certainly, at least at times, would have seen him expand and, and try to force the issue. And he just said, you're not going to throw me a strike, I'm not going to swing at it, and I'm going to let the, le- the next guy do damage. And that, that, to me, is telling you that Vlad right now is in a pretty good spot.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what? It's big that the guys behind him have done damage, whether it be Dalton Barshow, who's off to a great start, even against left-handed pitchers. And, man, I expect to see him in all three games against uh, lefty starters in Anaheim this week and then matt chapman just like a, a a man possessed um to start the year tying the franchise record for hits through five games this season like i i wonder if if those guys hadn't gotten off to good starts and the blue jays hadn't scored runs because vlad had been too passive or taken too many walks i wonder what if that would have changed his mentality a bit shy maybe but again he
2: he. He he was talking about that for the first day of camp when he arrived. Like, I'm sticking with my plan. Mm-hmm. I'm not expanding this year. That's when I got myself into trouble last year. Sometimes last year, I, I try to put too much on myself. He, you know, he did He obviously did some reflecting on on his year last year, and it was a, it was a really nice year, but it wasn't a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. standard year, mm-hmm. and that is a bit of recognition of you know I can't just turn it on and off. It's not something that you can say, oh, I'll be disciplined later. Right now I'm (laughs) going to change these things. It's either you're committed to it or you're not. And he's obviously showing that he's intent on being committed to it. And if you're going to really be committed to it, you can't be thinking about, oh, I'm not going to, the guys behind me aren't going to get it done, so I have to get it done. You have to trust that the other hitters in, in the lineup will take advantage of the walk that you end up taking.
0: Yeah, and they have. Um, again, Dalton Varsho has been great, even against lefties. He wasn't great against lefties. He was horrific against lefties all, all season long last year in his first full year, really, uh, as a major leaguer. Uh, for his career, he was slightly better than the last year, but still not good. And he's off to this great start against lefties. I mean, just great start overall, offensively and defensively. But that was expected, right? I, I, I wonder what you think or what you think the Blue Jays think about the, the ceiling of Dalton Varsho offensively. Because if they got, you know, the same guy offensively that he was last year in, in Arizona, but played the elite level defense that he played, you know, either left field or center field and, and attention to detail that he played last year, they would have been happy, I'm sure. Is there a belief that, that the, there, there might be something more for a guy who's in his, his late 20s and again, just kind of scratching the surface of his major league career?
2: Yeah, I mean, last year, the Blue Jays look at that as the floor for him, right? That's what that—that's the minimum that he's going to give you. But they part one of the reasons they acquired him is because they believe that there's still more that he's got to give there as well. And they've tried to work on a few things with him offensively, and obviously he's going to have his own ideas. It, it clearly seems to be translating at, at this point. Again, it's it's been a week, so you don't want to make too much of, of one week. But it, it's been very impressive. And you see all the little attention-to-detail things that you mentioned, the base running, the the ability to make good plays on defense. And it's not just I – we've mean, even when he's left in left field, it's not necessarily about stealing hits, but also just cutting balls off from getting to the wall, holding a guy uh, to one base instead of two or Two bases instead of three; those kind of things make a big difference, and they give your pitchers opportunities to to minimize rallies. That 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 was all going to be there, but if there's a little bit more to tap into, which is what you know we've clearly been seeing so far. Mm-hmm. That, that that makes him all the more uh, an effective player. And I mean, one of the reasons why he was the early guy in the four spot. You know, In theory, you would have thought Brandon Belbs would be that guy given the experience and uh, given the offensive profile. But, you know, Varsho has earned that with uh, the types of plate appearances he was showing not just in the first week of the season but in spring training as well. And now the challenge, of course, will be for him to maintain it over the long term.
0: You know, Shai, it, it seems that Having attention to detail and playing smart baseball is important and is um aesthetically pleasing to watch. Kind of silly that it took this long for 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 this team to I don't know, not figure it out. Like they they obviously knew that and um yeah, sure would have preferred uh, for the players to have that before they had to go outside the organization to acquire it. But yeah, holy cow, does it stand out when Kevin Kiermeyer does the things that are like directly leading to runs that do not appear anywhere on any box score or Dalton Varshow, same thing. Like those things are in stark contrast to what we've seen from this team over the last, you know, couple of years.
2: Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of funny. As we've been talking about this all throughout the spring and seeing it play out a little bit, I was thinking back to a conversation I had with Mark DeRosa back in 2013, and we had a lot of conversations that season about how the Blue Jays weren't fundamentally sound, and there was talk with was spring training too locks, did they hit it, need to hit different things harder and things of that nature. And one of the points DeRosa made is that you know, when, he was, when he came up with a very sound Atlanta team early in his career, it was like, look, you either, you either do it or you don't. Right, like, they weren't kind of trying to preach to you. Oh, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You picked it up, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's just the player. And you know, maybe it was a, ma- a bit of a matter of personnel too. Now, can you also ha- can you also be influenced by the personnel around you? Sure, and there's no doubt that the way Kiermaier plays, the way Varsho plays, you know, the way Matt Chapman, you know, let's, let's make sure we're giving credit to some of the guys who have been here, too, yep. plays, like, you know, that rubs off on people, too. That has influence. But at a certain point, it's, you're either prone to it or you're not. And, you know, the Blue Jays made some personnel changes. And you see it in, in, in Kiermaier and Varshaw as a couple of examples. But even Brandon Belt, even when he's not producing, it, it's a tough A-B each time, right? It's, he's seeing lots of pitches. He's, he's forcing the pitcher to beat him. That kind of stuff has been really important. And yeah, it's aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just look at the, the, the last three games against the Royals. You know, some of the difference in, in, that, in those three games is the fact that the Blue Jays didn't make mistakes and the Royals did.
0: Yep, uh, and they also got some pitchers that didn't allow eight earned runs in their starts, uh, like Jose Perrios Which did. helps also. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely helps. Uh, last time Chris Bassett stepped on a mound, it was even worse than that. Like, it was horrifyingly bad in St. Louis, and you can't point to one pitch uh, and say, oh, that was, no, they all got destroyed. Um, and it, yeah, it, tough start. It's just one start, and this guy has... A career of of being very consistent and very good, you know. So did Jose, Jose Barrios before last season too. But um, what what do you expect to see from Chris Bassett tonight?
2: I'm really interested to see what, if any, kinds of adjustments he made or he makes in, in this outing. Because I, I was really, I found it really fascinating to see how puzzled he was yeah. about what happened. Right? It's like. Sometimes you know, one or two pitches get hit. Okay, like I mean he's got eight of them. Like they yep. they aren't all going to work on a on a given day. But like on six different pitches he gave up uh an exit velocity of ninety eight, ninety nine point eight 99.8 miles an hour or higher. <laughs> it's bad. So it's like it, it's like they do they hit everything. And I think that part he was really trying to wrap his mind around. So there was, you know, he he mentioned this. He said among the things he'll check is like, was he tipping? Was there something going on? Uh, cert- he was also uh, a, a little taken aback by the game plan by the Cardinals. They said they were far more aggressive with him than they than they have been in the past. And so that caught him by surprise. Uh, and, you know, he's going to be facing a, uh, an opponent that's somewhat familiar to him because uh, certainly with Oakland, he, he, he saw a fair bit of the Angels over the years. So, you know, put all that together and expect it to be a very different outing for Chris Bassett. Like you said, he's far too good a pitcher for what happened last week to happen uh, very often. And so, you know, but uh, the, the pathway there, to me, is going to be the interesting part tonight. What, what is the tweak? Uh, or, or is he essentially just flushing that saying you know, just one bad day, there's not much to, to see here other than a bad day, and you're flushing and move on?
0: Yeah, I mean, having the worst day of your career as far as earned runs and home runs allowed in your first start as a member of the Blue Jays is, is, is wild. And it does, you know, it's obviously much better to to hear Alec Manoa after his poor start to open the season say, I know exactly what I did wrong. That was uh, put pitches in the wrong spots and uh, and not pitch well. It's, it's that 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 makes it easier to believe that alec manoa would bounce back and do exactly what he did in in start number two honestly shy when i hear like i don't that was weird like from chris bassett it does kind of remind me of of the burials thing where it's like yeah that was super weird what happened last year jose you were mr consistency and then all of a sudden you weren't and yeah you had some quality starts same numbers of as kevin gossman but you put your team in positions that were untenable way too often and gave up way too many earned runs i don't know it was it was just – I almost found that more alarming that he was confused by it, unless it's a pitch-tipping thing, but I, everything I heard from John Schneider was that they kind of investigated that, didn't see much from it.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, everybody gets a bit of runway into the season. and You know, in Barrios's case, you saw him in that outing, he's he having some good moments. And then you saw him, obviously, with the innings that didn't go right, and you saw him going right to the iPad to to look yeah. at his delivery. And he looks like a guy who's still trying to cement some of the mechanical adjustments that he'd made into his muscle memory, and you know, trying to identify where things went awry when he has that rough inning. And so, I still tend to believe that. You know, Barrios is going to be fine. I it just you see all the stuff there and all these things. he he didn't just fall off a cliff no. and suddenly you know not just turn into a pumpkin. I I just refuse to believe that. So you know I, I'd expect there to be some turnaround there, but uh, this is the site of uh, last year. He had a pretty tough outing here in uh, in Anaheim as well, and it'd be interesting to see whether. You know, he's able to rewrite, uh, rewrite things a little bit and you know, get himself back on track and, uh, he's definitely someone who is looking for something to build on uh, because he did make changes, he was expecting to see some results it was hit and miss in spring training, it was hit and miss the first time out and he certainly needs something to, to reinforce that he's on the right track
0: Yeah, a couple of uh, very interesting games to start off this series with Chris Bassett tonight and Jose uh, Barrios tomorrow and then wrap it up with uh, Yusei Kikuchi before the home opener on Tuesday. Uh, Shai, enjoy California, and uh, we'll see you at the barn on on Tuesday.
2: I appreciate it. Have a great weekend.
0: All right, you too. The Shai Davidi in uh, California getting set for game one of three between the Blue Jays and Angels. Home opener for the Angels tonight, by the way. It's 9.30 start on Sportsnet. Pre-game show starts at at 9. And, of course, you can hear it right here On Sportsnet 590, the fan is it's uh, Patrick Sandoval getting the start for the Angels in this game. Three straight lefties are the Angels throwing at the Blue Jays and Mike Trout and Shohei Artani are are, are still, you know, they're still Angels. They're going to be playing in all three of these games. All right. When we come back, we have information about the rain delay, weather delay that is taking place in Augusta National uh, it's gone beyond a delay now. It is now postponed for the day. They will resume play tomorrow morning. Uh, so there's some golfers that still have to wrap up their second round. So we don't know the cut line yet. It's a round two over par. Uh, and then they'll start round three, hopefully after that. Weather doesn't look so good for tomorrow neither. Uh, we'll talk to Adam Stanley reporting on the Masters for Sportsnet next. As the fan drive time continues, I'm Ben Ennis, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.